Hey, my silly gooses. Welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast, Midweek Breakdown Edition. I am your host, G2, and I would like to ask every single one of you, how are you today on this lovely Wednesday morning, afternoon, or even night, whenever you are listening to this? It could even be a Wednesday. It could be, probably even be a Thursday. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope your week so far has been uh, blessed, has been uh, providing you with different opportunities of um, not just gratefulness, but also time for people to reflect. Because this past uh, Monday, two days ago, in America, we uh, commemorated the 9-11 attacks that happened um, 22 years ago. Which, it doesn't sound that far off, but 22 years, that's something. Because right now I'm at the age of 27. And 22 years ago, I was just five. And at that time when 9-11 happened, um, I didn't understand the gravitas, the magnetism of it, because you're five. You don't really understand the magnitude of a lot of things. But um, it made me reflect this past Monday because my sister brought home homework. And during the homework, it was a paper that she had to ask questions about um where were you during 9-11 how did you feel how did it change the country and again I thought back and I remember I was in 5k in my classroom and I remember like a tv screen being popped on we like see something in the news but I don't remember none much after that I don't remember uh, the teachers taking us out of the classroom, us going home. You know how you hear that from other uh, school districts or states when people will talk about how their teachers uh, were in shock, they were in panic, they're crying and all that. I don't remember none of that. I just remember seeing that on the television screen and our room being dark. That's the only thing I remember at that time. But other than that, everything else went right back to business as usual. Everything went back, everybody went back to doing their uh, normal functions. Again, I don't remember nobody crying that much. Even when I went home, I don't remember anything like that. Probably my mother and father probably might have been crying. I have no idea. Again, I was five. But when I had to do her homework and I wrote all that stuff down, I really started to try to realize, okay, how did everybody else feel at this time? And when I went to social media, I was able to see people giving pretty descriptive uh, feelings of how they were impacted by this. I remember reading somebody talking about how they were in uh, preschool and they left preschool and they're talking about how their people were crying and all these things. And I just stopped and I thought like, wow, you're able to remember that you had that moment. But for me, it was just different. I don't remember none of it. But um yeah, it would just made me reflect on how everybody's viewpoints on things are really, really different, especially in a big moment of tragedy like 9-11. And during my scouting on social media, I would come upon a person having like a video montage of what was inside of the Twin Towers before like the plane crashed and everything went down. This isn't like moments. This is like what was in there. I saw the architect of Inside the Twin Towers. I saw people actually 
eating inside the Twin Towers. I saw people working out and I didn't know what was inside those Twin Tower buildings. I never investigated it. I never ever looked to try to find old photos of it. But when I saw the photos and I saw the video, I was like, wow, this was really inside of it. And they had some nice architecture, by the way. It wasn't trash. It was um, nice architecture for the dining room area that was like way up in the air. I mean, it was, again, just something that I got to see on video that I wonder how many people have witnessed what the Twin Towers was before it went down. How many people that are my age probably went to the Twin Towers before this tragedy happened? How many people have probably have family members that worked there that they've lost or that they were going to go that day that probably didn't go that day because they were sick or whatever the uh, case may have you. Again, there's a lot of viewpoints on how people think about the Twin Towers. Me, I think as it is, I think of it as a big uh, tragedy for the United States. That's just me living here in the South. But for the people living in the New York area, living in the uh, New Jersey area, living in the Connecticut area, living over in that arena, if you will, I wonder how they feel. I wonder how they feel about it every time when it comes to 9-11. How do they feel internally? Do they have any type of grief? Do they have sorrow? Do they just take that time not to um, be down and out anymore? Do they try to do something uplifting? Do they try to be around people more than the usual so they can cope with probably losing family members or loved ones? Again, this is all these things going through my mind as I was just thinking about it because I think about a lot of things. That's not the usual, but that just goes through my mind. And um, speaking of things that goes through my mind, I was searching on uh, the internet about 9-11, how many people uh, passed away during that time, and how many people were actually named. People got to see their uh, people, or how many people are still um, missing at the time of this. And I looked on to an article, and right now this comes from Axios.com, and they say that over 40 unnamed victims are still not identified right now. Last week, just days before the U.S. was set to commemorate the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, the New York Medical Examiner's Office said it identified two more victims of the attacks, which killed at least 2,753 Victims whose names were withheld from the public at the request of their families were the first to be identified since September 2021. A total of 59.9 victims have now been identified. The office said it also determined that 60 other human remains were from previous identified victims. So there's still more people that have not been identified at the coroner's office in New York and it's still a travesty because I wonder how many family members don't know about some people. I wonder how many family members probably are cool with the idea of saying, hey, this person's gone. I don't need to um, look for their body. I don't need to try to look at their belongings. I don't need to try to see the last glimpse of them probably as a bone of their former self. I would like to have the memory of remembering them as who they were before they went to the Twin Towers or be around the Twin Towers when that unfortunate day happened. So 
that's probably a reason why 40% of the victims probably have not been identified because the families or uh, loved ones probably don't want to see them in that way, see them in that light. They probably already know deep down inside that it's been 22 years that that person has passed away, but they would rather remember seeing them in the photos, being smiling, or remember the memories that they have with that person instead of seeing them. And that will literally be their last glimpse of them being a more than likely bone and like ripped flesh to be completely honest. But again, my heart still goes out to the people that lost loved ones in the 9-11 attack. It was a tragic moment. And I hope that the people that were um, trying to help the people out, as in the firefighters, um, the police officers, all those um, units get the medical coverage that I feel has been eluding them. Because John Stewart, he's kind of like the big, like focal guy that's constantly trying to get these firefighters, these police officers, all these medical people that were around during the 9-11 situation, trying to get people out of there that like inhaled the smoke, inhaled the debris, went into their lungs, and that are now dealing with um, problems literally 22 years after the fact. I don't think those people are getting the medical treatment because... John Stewart, again, he's a comedian, but he is a activist specifically for those medical personnel, for those people that was trying to uh, help the civilians during that real crappy timing. So again, I hope that the New York government or just the government in general helps out personnel that has all that smoke, all that debris, all that crap that's still like in their system that's plagued their body for the last 22 years, I hope that the government gives those people the assistance that they desperately need. Because it's a crying shame that a state doesn't want to help out the people that risk their lives during that crappy time. It's a shame that people have to jump through all these hoops and hurdles just to get just bare minimum amounts of respect and bare minimum amount of just kindness and support from a nation that suffered all together at the exact same time. So again, my hearts, my prayers, and my um, love just goes out to people that lost loved ones from 9-11 and that have suffered from that, well, unfortunate incident. And my heart goes out still to the people over in Morocco as well, because right now in Morocco, the death toll, at least as of right now, has reached up to at least 2,900 people have died from the earthquake and that's a shame. And over 5,500 people have been injured. And I want to read you guys a story that one survivor had to make the most difficult decision of his life. As this comes from BBC News, the article was state, Morocco earthquake, I had to choose between saving my parents or my son. Taibe Ayambaz was forced to choose whether to save his 11-year-old son or his parents when they became trapped under rubble after Morocco's earthquake struck. The goat herder from a tiny community in the Atlas Mountains says he is haunted by the decision he had to make. Taibe, with his wife, two children, and parents on Friday night in their small stone home when it was rocked by the country's biggest earthquake in 60 years. As Taibe would say, it all happened so quickly. When the earthquake happened, we all ran to the door. My dad was sleeping and I shouted at my mom to come. But she stayed behind to wait for him, he recalls. On the other side, he could see 
only his wife and daughter. As he made his way back to the fallen building, Taibe found both his son and his parents trapped under debris. He could see his son's hand poking through the rubble. He knew he had to act quickly and headed in the direction of his son, Adam, digging desperately through the rubble to pull him out. When he turned to his parents trapped under a large slab of stone, he says it was too late. I had to choose between my parents and my son, he says with tears in his eyes. I couldn't help my parents because the wall fell over half of their bodies. It's so sad I saw my parents dying. Tahibe points at the stains on his light-colored jeans saying this is the blood of his parents. All of his clothes are in his house and he has been unable to get changed since the earthquake. So this grown man is right now walking with the last remembrance of his parents. The blood is on there, on his clothes, and he literally had to make one of the most difficult decisions of all time. Because when you're a son, or a daughter, if you will, and you had loving parents, and I'm just going to go out there on the limb that Tehibe had loving parents, or that's just their culture over there. Again, I'm not trying to say anything here, just throwing this out. You have to make a decision in that quick and very, very disastrous situation that he was in, whether you save your son or you save your parents. The mom didn't want to leave without her husband, and she ended up dying with her husband as her son had to save his son. And that's just a hard thing, man. I don't wish that on nobody, personally. Making the decision of choosing between your parents and your children in a disastrous situation like this, this is devastating and this guy will be traumatized with that his last image of his parents will literally be under a slab of stone and that will literally be playing through his mind i could have saved my parents but if he would have his son would have been dead so again taibe uh is going through a lot as a lot of people in morocco is going through a lot and again my heart and my prayers and my thoughts really do go out to all these people that have lost everything and that's such a shame as i said before um, the earth is changing, the weather is changing, a lot of things are changing, the world as in the job market system, everything's changing. I hope everybody gets themselves accustomed because I don't know what's going to happen. Try to find out what's going to happen, at least with their job and field. And if you're in America right now, keep an eye out on the hurricanes because I know that in the north right now, there's supposed to be some hurricane heading up over there again. Keep a lookout because, as I said, the earth is changing and just please try to get accustomed and prepared as best as you can. Now, next up, before I get up out of here, I just want to get into the football section here because football did happen um, this past weekend. But before I do that, I have to mention a fallen uh, comrade in the NFL, a ex-Buccaneers and Bills wide receiver. Mike Williams, he dies at the age of 36 due to injuries from a construction accident that has plagued him. Um, earlier this month, a steel beam landed on Mike Williams' head in Hillsborough County, Florida. Uh, the impact caused a laceration that became infected and Williams was placed into an induced coma upon being hospitalized, according to Buffalo's WIVB. 
On September 6th, it was reported that he was on life support in the Tampa area hospital. Ended on September 8th, it was reported that he was surviving and responsive after being removed from a ventilator. Um, unfortunately, as has already been reported, Mike Williams has passed away and it's all because of a steel beam dropping on his head. Now, with that being said, um, he has an eight-year-old daughter that is um, now without a father. And that's a shame. And I wonder if the family of Mike Williams is probably going to sue uh, the construction people. I would probably think so, to be honest, because if a steel beam falls from a construction site or accident, it's on the construction company's uh, liability for that. But again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not none of that. Only thing I'm here to say is rest in peace to Mike Williams. And hopefully the family can uh, get what they can for this because this is a... Uh, Terrible thing. Just imagine a steel beam dropping. I don't care how high it is. It could be 10 feet just popping on your head. Dude, that sucks. That would hurt in man. Yeah, nah. Ah, nah. Rest in peace to Mike Williams. And uh, again, I hope the family can get whatever they can out of that. Now, with that out of the way, let's move over to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was the big thing that took over Sunday. This was his debut as the quarterback for the New York Jets after spending so much of his career, majority, no, his actual whole career in the NFL as a Green Bay uh, quarterback. He now moves over to the New York Jets. This was his first time uh, being a quarterback for the Jets, and it was prime time, and people wanted to see how it would go, and that did not that did not last. It was basically grand opening, grand closing. As Aaron Rodgers would tear his Achilles tendon, the NFL would confirm on Tuesday. And this is a catastrophic injury that will sideline him for the rest of 2023 and could potentially end his career. So HBO Max, NFL, they spent all this time and money to basically have a film a crew document and get footage of Aaron Rodgers training with his new teammates at the Jets for their show HBO Max's uh Hard Knocks this was just basically supposed to be the big grandiose big thing for Aaron Rodgers but now with him being injured um I wonder how the Jets are going to continue to go now I wonder how people in the Jets well the fan base and the locker room truly does feel now with their ace well their newly crowned ace basically just going right back into the card shuffle, if you will. I mean, they were still able to get the job done over the Buffalo Bills. They did it in overtime, but just think about it. All that time, all that energy that they put into Aaron Rodgers and for him to be the guy and hopefully to lead them to winning ways, now that's kind of literally been tanked and they have to rethink their strategies. Hopefully the Jets can get everything that they want out of this and especially with Rodgers being down, I think new eyes are going to be on the Jets to see if the Jets will be able to have a fire lit underneath them to prove the naysayers wrong. We'll just have to wait and see. Now, on to the last thing I do want to talk about before I do finally get you guys out of here because I know I'm really over time. Um, Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin, he did reach a settlement with Marriott and he was back on NFL Network in the first week of the 2023 season. Michael Irvin. Former uh, Cowboys receiver has reached a settlement with Marriott Hotel Chain in this $100 million defamation lawsuit dating back to February. The settlement paved the way for Irvin to once again appear on NFL Network for the first time since the outlet's Super Bowl coverage began on February the 6th. 
Um, they would put out a statement. Michael Irvin has been reinstated and will be a part of NFL's network's coverage of the 2023 season. I'm happy for that. I do not know, and I don't think the public, the world knows how much Michael Irvin has been uh, paid out, but I'm glad Michael Irvin is back for the NFL network. I'm just glad that he's back on TV. Uh, he was already on television with uh, FS1 Undisputed, but for him to be back on the station where he was suspended because of an allegation from earlier this year that technically wasn't true. Because when you look at the footage that was played, he didn't do nothing wrong. He absolutely did nothing in any like manner for him to be suspended. Um, he's now back. He's now got a settlement. I hope that he got a lot of money personally, because I would really be digging my heels into that for me to get a lot of money for me to drop it. That's what I'm hoping for. But bigger than that, he's back on TV. He's back with NFL Network. Congratulations to Michael Irvin. Now, with that out of the way, and I'm literally six minutes over time, it's time for me to get you guys out of here. Today's song of the week comes from John Bobstee's newest album, World Music Radio. It's out now, and the song is Uneasy. It's John Bobstee's featuring Lil Wayne. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll speak to you guys Saturday if you listen to the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, or Sunday if you just listen to me talk about the news. But anyway, Uneasy, John Bobstee's featuring Lil Wayne. Have a good day.
city's uneasy Been a carnivore ever since I was teething Close the shower door on my city is steaming I know I'm the God that my city believes in Amen, my naga, the devil been deceiving me Had me on the hard top thinking it was easy street Mom used to scream at me and take me off that scenery I've been about a bag cause all I wanted was to be a G That's that New Orleans in me, I come from where the demons be The dungeons and the dragons, I just ask them not to breed on me Shit get difficult and shit get nasty and easy If you don't know what it mean to me These mean streets ain't mean to me Gangsta shit, life is a bitch until she ain't your bitch The streets is colder than the streets of anchorage Swish on my hip, make me walk like my ankle twist I'm getting cold now Weezy baby The city's uneasy baby Yeah, me and Mr. Batiste 